church and before the church actually started. So we were taught to ask the question, what's the church? And it was just like... What? And uh, it was Emily Smith. She was going... Gosh. <laughs> and it was like four or five different times. And I was like... It's okay, this is your opinion. And oh, oh, oh! And it, just, it came out, and a couple, a couple people shared. But I think, to a certain extent, we come here, but do we know why we're here? Do, do we know what the purpose of being here is? Um, and I think, along the way, if you listen to a lot of the pastors, um, I guess who have a lot of podcasts right now that are writing a lot of books, um, Francis Chan particularly, has just continued to hammer home with me this idea that I think we're doing church wrong. And I keep looking at that going, well, how are we doing it wrong? And he just, based off of Acts chapter 2, he's looking at that going, I, I just don't see it where it says meet on one day a week for an hour or say amen and go home and go out to eat. Um, it's just not in here. And I just kind of look at that and go, man, as much as I want to disagree, I think he's on to something. I think, I think he has the idea. It's because community has been lost in our church. In our churches, all across, uh, uh, anywhere really, community has been lost to a certain extent. Uh, we come here and eat with somebody on Wednesday night, on a Wednesday night dinner. We might sit next to the same people at church on Sunday and we have small community, but we don't necessarily have community what's in Acts chapter 2. And when we say on purpose, when we're saying live with intention, that's the outcome automatically is community. That's real community. When people take an interest in you. I think Draper's actually situation and story, if I'm not mistaken, I think Katie told it to me one time, was that uh, Chris and his family I think were coming but I don't know if he was coming to youth, and she just said, we had a couple people just go and introduce ourselves to him and sit next to him at church on Sunday when he was still rather new, and then he started coming, and that was that. Was that. And it was like, huh, wow, it just seems so difficult at times, doesn't it? I don't know if I should go talk to that person. I don't know if I should say that. And now look, just by that brief situation, Chris is up here standing in front of everybody sharing what's going on in his life. That's community. It takes that opportunity to... Have somebody invest in you. Uh, and we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about what is that common, I guess the commonality that we're supposed to have. And why is it that we fail at it? Because here's how this originally started. And this is why we're doing on purpose, okay? Um, spiritual Life Retreat this past year. We went, I, I don't even, what was the theme? Those of y'all went, was that on Yeah, I, I <laughs> whatever. Um, and a lot of you guys were like, what does this mean? And I'm like, I don't know. So we kind of took the theme a little bit and turned it into something for our youth group. And I didn't intend for it to be this way. I didn't mean for it to turn this way. The, the Lord just grabbed people's hearts. And they realized, I think maybe for the first time, that we're, we haven't created a good community in a lot of ways. Um, we've got a lot of stories of people that come into this place and go right back out of this place. We've got stories of people who come here and are ignored when they want to be here and they go away um, with full intent to want to be here. Uh, it goes back to really Katie and Jamie. I, I've told this story and I'll continue to tell this probably for the rest of my uh, career as far as the youth pastor is concerned because it was an eye-opening experience. I said, hey, you guys are going to be welcome. 
wasn't outside the main hallway. And I was standing in here, kind of waiting, and I kind of knew they were going to come find me. I just didn't know it was going to be that fast. And so they come walking in about five minutes into it, and they walked through the doors, and they were like, can we stop? And I was like, why? And they were like, because everybody's looking at us like we're idiots. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, we're out there trying to greet people and shake hands with people and give people high fives, and literally they're looking at us like we're complete idiots. Like, they don't want to say hello to us. Why are you even here? And one girl even walked by with, like, attitudes. Well, for, I can't remember which one of you guys, like, did it. But it was like, we were sitting there and they were like, Psh, and just kept walking. And I was just like, wow. Like, they just looked at you and did that. And I'm like, yeah, you have to go back out there and do that. And literally, it just was that moment when it was like, welcome to the environment you guys have created. And it was just this. Ooh. Really? And it was like, yeah, I mean... Turner and I are out there greeting people. We don't get that sense. We teach these lessons. We meet with you guys. We talk to you guys. We help encourage you guys. But we can't control how you guys treat each other. Like, I can't reach into your life and say, you treat her better. Go, do it now. I mean, I don't have that power. I don't have that authority in your life. That's, that's your call. And so when a bunch of people are not doing that, then all of a sudden you get this opportunity where you just have this awkward feeling around that area. It's like, well, I kind of know that person, but I don't. Mission trip this year was a great example of how those laws got knocked down. A bunch of people that were all over the place kind of got to know each other. And it was an awesome experience for, I, I think, everybody that went, even though a couple people got sick. Um, it was great because it was great to sit next to those people and, and walk through that sickness with them. Um, I just didn't want them to hug me um, and stuff like that. Uh, but it was just this great opportunity because we became family. We became sort of this unit. And then we come back here and it always happens. You come back into the real world and it just goes away. And that's what happens when you come into church and come into the youth program. So I want to read to you real quickly Acts chapter 2. Because this is where it comes from. This is our goal, okay? This is the goal of church. And I want you guys to, to hear this. Um, and then I'm going to cover three points real, real quick um, about how we have this commonality and how we fail. And I want you guys to see this very clearly. Um, it says this, and I want to read this again at the end because we have to go back to it. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And all came upon their every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And they just read this verse right here. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we're going to focus on verse 44 real quick. You guys hit the nail on the head when you read that verse. To me, that's where it all starts. I want you guys to hear this. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school briefly. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. I want you to think about that for a second. I mean, really think about that. Like, go home and think about that. They had all things in common? Really? How's that even possible? Because in our world, we celebrate differences. We celebrate disagreeing. We kind of celebrate, you believe that way, I believe this way, you know it's okay. And that's nothing that wasn't there. They believed and had all things in common. Now that doesn't 
doesn't mean from time to time they didn't disagree, but when they did, they got to the root of it and they settled it. It wasn't like they let the differences continue. Have you ever drifted away from a friend because you realized your differences were kind of big? Have you ever done that? Have you ever realized, like, eh, kind of like I thought I knew this person, but now I don't really? Things change, people change, situations change. And so there's this difference all of a sudden that there used to not be. Well, if you don't work on that, the differences will just continue to split you apart. And that's how it happens. So in this situation, they were common. So what, what was it that they had in common? When they said they had all things in common. I want you guys to hear these three things. And again, we're going to talk about one, what they had in common, and two, why the church today fails at doing that. And it's very clear and very obvious, and it's so easy. Ecclesiastes 3.11, one verse, says this. And I love this verse. It reminds me of who God is and, and who I am. It says this. He, was, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I love that verse. Because that verse basically tells us our need for God. The first thing they had in common was they needed God. They were all common around that one idea. I need God. We need God. It's, it's this issue of need. Now, where do we fail on that? When that need turns into a want. I want you to hear that clearly because it's like, wait a minute, how is want a bad thing? Wanting something technically isn't bad, but wanting becomes about us. It becomes us-centered. There's lots of worship songs that sing, I want God. I want more of you. In theory, and in essence, that's, that's okay. But in reality, when you look at this and kind of how we struggle with that, want is about us. Need is about God. And so we need to move from this idea that wanting God is just not enough. Wanting God is just kind of like lip service. It's like, I know I want God, but very, very rarely do we do anything about it. When you know that you need God, you will do something about it. It's like, yeah, I kind of want something to eat, but you don't know what it is, and so you go to the pantry and you open it up and you're like, uh, well, eh, that's gross. That doesn't, I don't want to eat that. No, mm, Packer Packers, eh, no, not really. Um, chips, nah. Well, you know, I kind of have the option. It's my decision. It's my decision based on my opinion. Now, have you ever needed something to eat? Big difference. Doesn't matter what it is, sort of. It really doesn't. You're just like, give it to me. I want it now. A couple years ago, mission trip. The food was disgusting at mission trip, all right? I had never experienced needing food in this way. And it was fast food and it was Sonic. And Sonic is gross. Sorry. It's just, to me, it's not good food. And so there was nothing. They were feeding us no meat, no proteins. It was just kind of like, ugh. And so everybody was worn out and tired. So Janet um, says, I'm going to Sonic. Does anybody want to think? Sonic was 30 miles away. She drove to Sonic. That's how desperate some of us were. So she got she, she placed an order, and it was kind of really for the adults. And so she brings it back, and I have this hamburger in my hand. It was like a double cheeseburger. And normally we'd be like, that's gross. But on that night, when, I, when, I, when she came back and I opened the package and saw this double cheeseburger, I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> and so I walked behind the van, and I'm eating. I'm literally, you can't even see me. There's nothing behind me. 
Um, I'm behind the van and I'm like, <laughs> and one bite, y'all, one bite into the burger, Summer Duffy walks around the corner. Is that a burger I smell? <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, that isn't just a neat, that's a craving, that's weird actually. Like, what kind of senses does she have going on in her nose? And so I'm just like, I, I, I want to be the nice youth minister and go, you want to buy it? But the selfishness of me was like, mine! It's mine! And so I remember kind of like, it was like feeding a child almost, and I was like, you can have a bite. And I didn't give her the burger, I held on to the burger. And like, held it so like, you know, you can't have this much. And so she took a bite, and I just remember her face like, oh, that's the best burger I've ever eaten. I'm like, I know, right? I mean, that's me. I mean, we needed something to eat. We were going to just fall out from being exhausted. It's this need. So, we want God, and good enough a little bit, needing God, that is true. It, it becomes less about us and all about Him. Because a lot of times, we think that what? God exists for us. God does love us, but God doesn't exist for us. God exists for Him to make His name known. And we get to be a part of that. So that's so important for us to realize and understand. It's needing God. We fail tremendously on that. Because wanting God is just kind of, eh, there's just no um to it. Like, like, it will happen. Like need. Like a burger. So think about that. I want you to think about that, seriously. The second one is this. The second one is um, one that we all struggle with. And I see this happen in the church so much. It's not in Galatians. I'm going to read two, two verses. Two little sections. Um, what this is kind of called, what I would say this is that church, the commonality is support. It's coming here and knowing you're going to get supported. You're going to get loved. You're going to get encouraged. And yes, you're going to get accountability. But accountability is different than judgment. Accountability still hurts. But accountability is done with love. And... Even though it's hard for you to go, okay, like, you can't say, okay, I, I understand. I, I know that I'm doing something. Thank you for saying something about that. Because accountability means I love you. Or I wouldn't ask this question of you. Judgment is something entirely different. We normally go to the judgment route. But the commonality of this is support. It says in Acts chapter 2 that they were selling their possessions to give to those in need. We'll talk about that in just a second. So the commonality of support. Hear what it says. In verses 6, 1 through 3, it says this. Here is community. Alright? Be ready for this. This is, this is purpose living. <coughs> Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted to. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, deceives himself. So a lot of times we walk in here prideful. I do this, I do this, I'm this way, I'm that way. People like me because I'm this way. And we're going to talk about that also in just a second. We have this false identity of who we are. It's like we're important because of us. Really? I mean, if that's where your identity is, that's going to fail. 
It will fail every time. But yet we do get prideful. And it's not a pride that we go, hey, I'm prideful in this. It's just we consider it being confident. We consider it being, uh, you know, I have a good self-esteem. There's a difference between having a good self-esteem and knowing who you are in Jesus and having a self-esteem where you're cocky and, confident and overconfident. Big difference. And so that's what a lot of people see is that aspect of it. They don't see the supporting aspect of it. They see the, this is who I am, and this is why people like me. We become confident. We become conceited. So we bear one another's burdens. When somebody comes in here and shares something, this should be the place, y'all, no joke, where we can come into crying, broken, in tears, and knowing that we're going to get the support that we need for whatever it is. That's what this establishment should be set up for. This is what we're here for. Yet, most of the time, and I've seen this in many churches, we send people from this place crying in tears. Because they don't feel accepted. I want you to think about that. We're doing the exact opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. And here's where we fail at this. Here's where we fail at this. Chapter 5 in Galatians 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Say this on about that second. But though love, but but through love serve one another. And here comes something you've been hearing a lot, especially Beach Retreat. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, isn't that interesting that that ties right into here? That's really interesting. Now here comes the thing: but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I want you guys, I wish this was a place where you could come into and didn't have to worry about somebody wanting to basically spiritually assault you and take you down. But there are people in this church, and I've talked to, there have been people in all my other churches I've talked to, it's one of the things that teenagers struggle with, is we just can't keep our nose out of somebody's business. A lot of us have a real problem with that. We can't we can't stop for some reason. It seems like. That's because... I won't go into the cause right now. We wonder why there's a problem at church. It's because, I'm telling you, listen to me very closely. There is somebody on your road that in about a week will devour you. Most likely. Because, unfortunately, the people that devour you and are looking to bite you over something, it's going to be something nitpicky and something silly, but you've entrusted something to somebody. You said, well, I can trust them. I can tell them my whole life. You guys get a little argument over something, and all of a sudden, you get smacked right in the face. Is that church? Is that community? No, obviously it's not. And here's the issue. Some people don't care. They know they're going to do it, and they just don't have any care in the world. They want to hurt people, unfortunately. There's a heart change that needs to happen, and we're going to talk about that towards the very end. So, the commonality of support, where we fail in that, is that there are people, your friends, your peers, for what other reason, I don't know, that are out to bite you and to get you. Number three, the last one. And this one is fast. 
There's no real explanation to this. It explains itself. Listen to this. Number three, commonality. Everything glorifies the Lord. Everything. Everything we do. Everything. 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 Like, I can't explain that any better than what the Scripture says. Everything. And you look at that, it was almost as if when he was writing this, here it is, verse 31, he says this, So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all the glory of God. It, you had to get this idea of maybe he was sitting there with a pen, and he was like, I'm going to go through all these lists. And I'm going to be like, yeah, whatever you eat and drink, yeah, whatever else you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. I mean, he could have gone on and on and on, but I think everything says it all. Everything. That means everything. That literally means everything. That means sleep. That means eating. As he said, like, how, how do you glorify the Lord with eating? I don't know what I want to know. That's awesome. I want to figure it out. Glorify the Lord. Well, that burger was glorifying the Lord. Um, <laughs> but giving, giving thanks to the Lord. How, how many of you guys legitimately pray over your meal every time you eat? Not out of routine, but out of, out of, out of thank you. Here's one that I thought of. This is everything. Breathing. Well, how do you do that? Think of it this way. God gave us our breath. He created in us breath. So when we breathe out, that's His. And so it's our responsibility to give every breath back to Him. Every one of them. Whoa. That is everything. Everything we do is to glorify the Lord. Where we fail, we don't. We just don't. I think a lot of times it's not even important. We don't even like think of it as important. Really, how am I supposed to do this to the glory of the Lord? Believe me, if it's something you do and it's edifying, it's something that you do that you enjoy, or something that you can give it back to God, seriously. You can do it for the glory of His name. Relationships, friendships, eating, sleeping, PE, math class. Well, yeah, math class. Um... <laughs> I would have loved to have known how to done that when I was in high school. Because math to me has no point. Um, to a certain extent. Um, but those are the things. Everything we do. That's on purpose. Purpose living means that you find ways to glorify the Lord in the things that you do that are routine and every day. So let's go back to Acts chapter 2. And let's read this again. I'm going to focus on two other passages. Verses that we're done. Acts chapter 2. It says this in verse 43. Hear this. And all came upon every soul. Okay, so when they were meeting together, all came upon them. Have you ever felt all? Not like all, but like, whoa, that was amazing. Like the whole group, they were filled with this awesomeness because of the way the Lord was moving in them through you guys, not through this one particular individual. Hey, every time he shows up, it's amazing. No, through the whole group. They were astonished by what God was doing through them. That's community. You walk into a building, and you're a new person. And it wouldn't it be astonishing? I think it would be an awe if people walked in this building and actually felt love and had somebody say hello to them in most churches. That would seriously be an awe moment in a lot of churches. Holy smokes. So I want you guys to think about this. They were in awe. Are you moved at all for being here, by being here? Are you experiencing awe? The last one is this, verse 47. 
And this one uh, brings it all back home. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want you guys to think about this. We bring a band in. Sometimes we do games. We put a slick name on something. We have websites. We have all these things that are selling this, this church to you, this relationship with Jesus. They didn't do any of that. None of them. There's not one thing in there that basically was a catch other than the fact of loving each other and living the way that God wanted them to live. By selling their possessions, now let's think this through. They sold their possessions so there wasn't anybody without need. It wasn't like there was a needs list and they would walk up to it and go, okay, that person's in need, that person's in need, and that person's in need. Let me go sell things. It was almost as if they were selling things before there was a need. So when there was a need that did arise, there was already plenty there to take care of it. That's thinking differently. That's thinking about others instead of ourselves. That's community. That's community that we know nothing about. Yet that's what God wants for us. And here's the issue. If you've been reconciled through a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've been brought into salvation, there should be a difference, guys. There should be a difference between the way that we act and the way that we live and the way that we talk and the way that we think. So I'm going to ask you tonight, is there a difference? Is there a difference? Because while we're trying to create a community, it really is an individualistic situation. We all bring whatever it is that we have into this. And so that's what we're creating community off of. Community will fail if there's no commonality in Jesus Christ. Your life will crash if your identity is not in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing else that can fulfill you and sustain you like He can. So I'm going to invite the guys up to get ready to play some music for us, some of their original stuff. But I want you guys to really think about is, not what am I getting out of this? It's not about us. It's, what am I doing to enhance that? Am I growing in my relationship with Jesus? Am I a Christian? Is there a difference in my life? Or do I look exactly like the person who's not a believer? Is there no difference? Because when the Lord comes to live inside your heart, you cannot help but change. It is, you can resist it, and it can take a long time. But when you give your heart to Him, it has to change. It will change. So think about that. Where are you tonight? Where are you in this process of